I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Wednesday, June 3, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? We have a lot of stuff on the docket today. We have a runaway market, number one. The question is, are we in the middle of a melt-up? We'll have to answer and address that question. We have the email indicator on the docket today. We have a reading the tape lesson on the docket today. We have a lot of stuff, and there's more. We're going to have an opportunity to go through everything. We're going to learn stuff during this video. We're going to take what the market's telling us, and we're going to put it to work. Let's start with what jumps off the page. What jumps off the page on the daily chart? Well, we're above that critical area, that zone that we discussed, 309 to 311. Maybe it wasn't so critical after all. Let's go through what it is, see where we are, and have an understanding of what's going on or what the highest probability case of what's going on is. Last night, we discussed the importance of this spot. So the market rallies up, and it absolutely collapsed after this. It failed. This was the failure point. So this was a fake out. It was a fake bottom. The market rallies. It sucks in the bulls, and then they hit them hard, and they crash the market. That's the market's way of telling us that that price zone is important. Okay, so we ran right up there today and backed off a little bit. Let's put in perspective what we're talking about. So the high of this candle is 313.10, and the high today is 313.22, closing below 313 at 312.09. That's end of the day stuff. They ran them up there in the last hour or so of the day, and then in the last few minutes, they pull back into the closing bell. Garden variety stuff. But what's the deal? Let's talk about how important that zone is. What we said the other day was that this zone in 309 to 311 area was a stone cold short. I said that and also said that a close above the high of around 313, 314 would be a cut and run from the trade. Did something change this morning? And the answer is yes, it did. Inside the numbers, members know what changed. The market was extremely bullish. They opened up inside the zone. They opened up basically right on top of ES3100. And for me, that changes things a little bit. There's one thing of running up there during the day to an important spot. You're likely to get some overhead resistance. It's another thing when you open the day above an important spot or at an important spot. That's generally the market's way of telling you something. So you want to see what goes on. You want to understand where the market is, where the market participants are, where the leading indicators are. Are there any divergences? Is it bullish across the board? Or are there things failing under the covers? Do we have something to hang our hat on? And the answer in simple terms was the transports were ultra strong. The financials were uber strong. The IWM was uber strong. It was the makings of a freight train. Don't get in front of a freight train. Could this be the end of a move? Could it be that it is resistance up around 313 and we're going to wake up to a big gap down Wednesday and that's it? That is possible, but that's not what the market is saying today. One thing I always say is 
when you're going to short the market or you're going to buy the market when it's at an extreme. For example, it's running to a spot on the upside or it's running to a spot on the downside as opposed to, for example, a bull or bear flag pattern where it's a little bit more of a defined trade. What we do in this case, and this is something that's taught in the course and it's something I mentioned several times over the last few days, is we wait for a sign and signal of a trend change. We don't have to be the first participant to the party. We don't have to be the first person dancing on the floor. All we need to do is make sure that we show up when everybody's having fun. There's generally plenty of meat left on the bone. So let's go through a couple of scenarios. Could 313, give or take, be resistance? Sure it could. What happens if we hang around and go sideways, eat some time off the clock? That's the market's way of telling us that it's likely building some energy to go higher. Could it be resistance we wake up to a gap down or just a down market tomorrow or Thursday? Or how about Friday, which is the day after tomorrow? Sure, anything's possible, but we go with what the market tells us in real time. We're going to take a look around the horn at some other charts and we're going to decipher what the market is telling us on each individual chart. Here's an awareness thing that we need to know. What happens if the market closes above this 313, 314 area? We can begin to see another string or conveyor belt of pies in the face. Why is that? Because closing the day above there and certainly a couple of days above there can bring another leg, another short squeeze for probably another 100 S&P handles, maybe even 10 handles in the SPY. Do we know that's going to happen? Of course we don't know that's going to happen. It's an awareness. We have to be aware of both scenarios. We have to be the umpire. We have to pre-prepare for whatever the market does. What happens if the market comes down? Where is support? Well, there's intraday stuff that was developed from today's activity. But for argument's sake, we'll use around the vicinity of today's lows as the initial line in the sand. It's a little bit below, but we'll call it 310 for argument's sake. So you start closing hourly below 310 and they'll go on to fill the gap. That would be good for another 20 handles on the downside, about two SPY points. But guess what? That doesn't change whether the market is bullish or bearish right now. It's still bullish even if it did all that stuff. And more. We're above all the moving averages, so in a sense that would just be another one of these pullbacks. Take the market at face value. We have a couple of other things on the board. A couple of esoteric things that we began discussing last night. Esoteric or asoteric? I'm pretty sure it's esoteric, but I like asoteric. That's my own word. I invented it. We started talking about the full moon, the lunar eclipse that happens at the end of the week. So what's a possible scenario that could be happening right now before our eyes? Is the market being sucked up into that time frame? Very possible. It's happened before. It's not new. And if that's what's going on, which it appears to be that's what's going on, we're likely to get a rally through this week. Remember that thing from a while ago with the square root where we were trying to pick a top and this is before the February top? And it worked for a few days and then the market kept going up anyway, but it did work and it did pinpoint a price. Well, I have another one of those things. It's not a square root thing. It's something else. It's more of an awareness thing, but I find it interesting. 
Let's pan back a second and think in terms of where we're coming from. And what I mean by that is all the way back to March 23rd and the bottom that comes in and will round at 218 in the SPY. Now, 218, for our purposes here today, isn't really important, but what is important is how far we've come, and that's where one of these things kind of hits me like a brick. And the reason is, is because I've seen these things develop, and I've seen these things work out over time, over and over and over again. It's not necessarily a tradable event, it's more of an awareness type of thing, and we put it together with all the other stuff that's going on, and we see what the market's doing when it gets there. And here's what I'm talking about. If the bottom was 218, where are we now? We're getting close to a thousand point move in the S&P, a hundred SPY handles. And it's not the number that's important in and of itself, but it is important. It's a big, fat, super round number, a hundred. But what's more interesting to me is the fact that we're coming up on that number when the SPY gets to about 318. Now, whether it gets through 1,000, meaning it surpasses that, or it comes up short, we don't know. But it's one of those things that I'm putting on a sticky note. It's on the side of the computer. I'm watching it. I find it interesting. It's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. And remember, it's in the awareness bucket. But when you live, eat, sleep, and drink numbers like I do... You can't help yourself. Now, the other thing up north that we have to keep our eye on is what's going on here where today's high was and take note of today's closing price. Now, why that's important is because I'm looking over to the left at this breakdown candle from the 25th of February. What happens if price starts to creep its way up into that breakdown candle? It's going to want to get, and how far it gets, we don't know yet but it's going to want to get towards the top or upper portion of that breakdown candle. Now, it doesn't have to do it all at once, but if they do, and we don't know whether they will or they won't, but if they do and they have to start closing daily inside that breakup candle, which they did not do today, but if they do, it's something to watch, it's of note, and the high is all the way up around just short of three and a quarter that's a tall order not saying that's going to happen all i'm saying is that when you put together the fact or maybe it's not a fact but it's a possibility that the market may be trading up into a certain time frame and also the fact that if we begin getting above and certainly hourly closes above and then daily close above 313 314 that could certainly promote another short squeeze higher And we've certainly seen the market move 100 handles in short order of late. Now, something else that we've discussed in the past when we've been in these scenarios, something we can use as a guideline, and it's also time. Time is always more important than price, and I have 18 ways till Sunday to use time. When the market's moving off of a high or off of a low, it's in a corrective stage. So we're correcting off a low, we're correcting off a high. Either way, it's moving off a low in this particular case. How long has it been in this trend? About two and a half months. We're starting to get into the outer edge of how long a trend and a very strong trend may last without any kind of a meaningful correction. 
It's not set in stone, and it doesn't mean that it has to or doesn't have to happen. But in the past, what we've done is we've looked at corrections both in the up and down direction. We've looked at moves in the up and down direction. And we've seen that anywhere in between two and three months is garden variety. Now, the collapse of this year was a lot quicker. It was about five weeks. But it's another thing of note. It's a sticky note kind of thing, an awareness thing, that if we're trading up into an important area or we see a sign or signal of a trend change and we're getting into that zone with all that other stuff we just discussed, this is how we begin looking for where this top is going to be. There will be a top. We're not going to guess at the top. We're going to find the top. Short hop, we're going to take a look over at Inside the Numbers. Basically, I'm going to run through the commentary today. It was a non-event. The market was a gap and go. It gapped higher, and it basically grinded sideways to higher all day long. My main job today was holding Inside the Numbers members off from shorting the market. That brings me, and before we get to the notes, it brings me to the next item, which is the email indicator. Now, maybe they're right this time. We'll see. But if the email indicator is any indicator whatsoever, I can't tell you what my inbox looked like today with emails coming in from every direction possible about shorting the market. No matter what notes I put up on the board inside the numbers, Somebody, and many people, wanted to interpret whatever I said as, you should short the market right here. I never said that, but somehow it was interpreted that way. So going forward, we're not going to do that. We're going to read what's written, and we're going to take it at face value. So I'll run through the notes. You can pause the video and read it, whatever you want to do. If you're active at all during the day with the market, the notes, commentary, certainly is a angel on your shoulder most every single day. It's a tour guide. You want to know where the resistance is. You want to know where the support is. You want to know where to enter a trade. You want to know where to exit a trade. If you know where the resistance is and you know where the support is and you know where the market shouldn't do and you know what it should do, then you can put together a trade. We do it just about every single day. Now, in the early thoughts, this is before the market opened. This is before they were at 3,100. This is before they ran up there. So we're saying early on, and this is the pre-planning stuff, and this is why I can't understand why traders, even traders inside the numbers, were taking a short position when I said before the market opened, what if they hang around over 3,100 and close hourly above? It's bullish. And then the other what if, but the other what if didn't happen. So let's move it along. The notes are the notes. The market was basically on a slow grind in a melt-up formation for the majority of the day. So the notes really weren't beneficial because there was nothing juicy that we can say, hey, here's what the market is doing and it's making a move. Other than the fact that they came down to have a gentle test of an important area. They didn't even get there. They just turned around and went back in the other direction. That's bullish in and of itself. So anybody that wanted to believe in the bull case was able to hop on board and ride the market a little bit higher for however much they wanted. It's not easy to buy high and sell higher, but that's a trade. Let's continue moving along. Obviously, we'll also take a look at stocks on the move. We'll look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. There wasn't ugly today. It was a losing trade. We'll take a look at that one. We'll look at the chart. We'll go through the details because there were certainly a lot of emails on that trade as well. 
And by the way, if you read through the notes, if you stopped the video and read the notes, then you will see that the market started bullish and it just was bullish. That's what the commentary said. That's what the tape said. We'll take a look at AU, HQY, DT, and I know it says jump target. We're going to look at these because there's always lessons to be learned. Amberilla says jump target, another discrepancy. I guess it depends on what platform registers which opening price. The feed that comes into this form is from Google Finance, and it read jump target, although my platform read that the stock opened above the entry price. So we'll take a look at that chart either way. Let's look at the fugly first. So Amberella, at least on my platform, opened the day at $58.26. Cut through the first number like a hot knife through butter. Came into the second, tried to find some stability. Here's a five-minute chart. You can see for a few minutes it did, and then it gave up the ghost. The first hourly close was not below, so it was an active trade even after the 10.30 close. The 11.30 close closed underneath the number. It's a stop out. It's a losing trade. The number was wrong. That's going to happen. We're going to lose some trades. We're going to lose about 20% of the trades. That's the way this works. But I want to make a point and drive home that the same thing that generally works over and over and over again, it doesn't work 100% of the time. Let's take a look at Amberella from a different perspective. Without getting into a lot of detail, what we can do is use what we've learned in the past, what's in the course, what we learn here each and every night, and say, if in fact markets like to come back and test former breakout and former breakdown areas, and we see and talk about it all the time, it would make sense that this area around $57, 57 and a quarter, is essentially a breakout area. You can see where Amberella spent a lot of time consolidating building energy, eating time off the clock, it pulled back, and then it broke out over the same area. Now, how I refine the number is not important for this conversation, but the point is that it didn't work. Okay, the trade didn't work, but that concept works the majority of the time. Let's do it a different way. Let's look at another stock. This is AU. It was on the board. It was a winning trade. Here's the number, 24.35. What was low of day? Low was 24.21. The stock turned around. Why? Because it reached the destination. Remember, the Amberella destination was wrong. I was wrong. This one was right. It reached the destination. What did it do? It had two choices. Turned around and went back in the other direction on a little mini rocket ride. But that's not really all there is. Didn't this one do the same thing? Isn't this a breakout area? Didn't it consolidate here for a long time and then it broke out? I can bring up a different chart. We'll see it from a different vantage point. You better believe it. The stock rallied up to this spot right around 24.35, give or take. It pulled back, right? It was rejected. We talked about that with the SPY right at the beginning of the video and again last night. Same concept. So what happened? It got above. See how it got above? It gapped above. What do I say all the time? When the market has trouble trading through an area, it gaps above the area or below the area. It did it here. You saw that. Came back to back test it a little bit, and then it took off. So what did it do today? Came back to test that same zone. How you doing? It's not a lot different than the Amberella trade. The chart doesn't look the same, but it's the same concept. One worked, one didn't work. It works the majority of the time. You can't get discouraged 
when it doesn't work because it works the majority of the time. If you've been around here for any length of time, how many have you seen of these? How many out of 100 work? About 80. Duh. How about HQY? Yeah, this one was a little bit of a rope-a-dope. I didn't get in this trade because look what happened. It made a low of 56.50 in the first candle. What was my number? 56.49. What do we call that? Front running. It happens. They came up a penny short. Then they finally went into the number. And the reason why I didn't take the trade, and here's a five-minute chart. Look what happened when they came up short of the number. They had a nice rally away making a high of 58.16. That's a rocket ride. A little one, but it's still a rocket ride. Then they came back, they did the deal, and then they went much higher. So what's the takeaway? Even though they missed by a penny, the takeaway is another trade that worked. Next up, DT. Screw job. Opened up at 35 even. I shy away from the trade. Others get in the trade. I know that. That's okay. That's up to the individual trader. When this happens, I wait for the second price, which never happened. And then what happened? DT took off like a rocket ride. What does this go to show us? It goes to show us the numbers work. They work the majority of the time. We do this day in, day out, day after day after day. Why do we do it? Because it's a lot of fun. Back to the SPY. I said we were going to look at a variety of charts. So what's the hourly chart telling us? Is there anything bearish on the hourly chart? Well, if you want to make a case out of the last hourly candle of the day and say that's a tail candle and a reversal, you can do that, but that's not what I'm doing. I'm not reading into the last few minutes of the day. What about the 120? It's in an uptrend above all the moving averages, as the other charts are, and it's continuing on a grind. How about the 240 chart? Very similar to the daily chart. There's nothing bearish on this chart. The market may go down from here, but there's nothing bearish on this chart. It's a matter of what the market is telling us versus where a black swan may come from overnight. Those are two different things. How about Camp IWM? Check this out. So we have a breakdown candle, and they go and they test the high of the breakdown candle. We know about that stuff. We talk about it all the time. We just did. But that's not really what's important here. Check this out. What's the closing price today? 144.80. What's the high of the breakdown candle? 144.74. Accident or coincidence? I think not. They could have closed inside of it. They chose to close above it. Is it a rope-a-dope? We don't know. But I'm taking it at face value and saying, as a result of closing above, it's a tip-off of bullishness, and that's it. Period. Full stop. It's a puzzle piece on the table. If it's a rope-a-dope, We'll take the rope-a-dope at face value. Remember the duck story. 80-20 rule. 80% of the time, if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, it's a duck. 20% of the time, it's wearing a duck mask and it's something else. What about the folks down at the transportation department? Check this out. We put up 94.40 on the board a couple of days ago. All of a sudden, they're at 94.40. How you doing? What are the odds? This is one of those times where I go away shaking my head saying, even I don't believe it. The transports are extremely bullish, at least they were today, up three and a third percent. Was today the destination or is it somewhere else? Well, it's an important area. This is where the market did a similar thing, but not quite the same as the SPY. It did a shimmy, it gave a fake out bottom, tried to rally, and then it really collapsed. So this is right back to that area. And then, being that they closed on 94.40, 
we're going to just move it along. How about the Qs? This one's pretty simple. What's the former high? 237.47. What's the high today in the Qs? How about 237.47? They backed off from it. We don't know whether they're going to bust through, gap above tomorrow, or have a pullback. Either way, the market's bullish, it's in an uptrend, and nothing's changed. If the other markets are going higher, you can bet your bottom dollar it's likely the Qs are going higher as well. The financials, almost up 4%. Remember what we say, without the financials, it's unlikely the market's going to get very far in either direction. The financials were certainly leading the market to the upside today, along with other stuff, right into the 100-period moving average, closing above that would-be reversal slash breakdown candle. It's bullish, but it's into the 100-period moving average. How about this? There's a gap at 25.25. Now, when you say 25 or 25.25, you say, well, it seems like 25 or in and around there should be important. And yet, if you were here for a while, you know that we focused on in and around that number for quite a while. So what's the importance of that number? Let's go back in history and see what happened. I'm just going to roll back until it pops up on the screen and we'll see what happened around 25. There it is, 25.25. So here's the concept. Here's a weekly chart. If the market thought 25 or 25 and a quarter in and around there was important before, it's likely going to be important again. Happens to be a gap there. Happens to be an interestingly round number at 25. The gap is slightly above. But we're going to say that in and around there, including the gap, should be overhead resistance and an important zone. About Smash Mouth. And by the way, it's good to get a different viewpoint of how the market works. I obviously look at the market a lot different than most everybody else. Most everybody that I've run into over the years. They all think I have three heads, and that's fine with me. But it's good to get different perspectives. Who looks at the market like I do? Nobody. I told you. Getting inside my head is a dangerous place to be. Now, here's something that added to the bullishness today, and I didn't necessarily put it in the notes. I don't need to put everything in the notes. You just need to know the result. But check this out. So here's a gap, and the gap was 145.45. So the opening print today, which is important, happens to be 145.77. So I see that. I look at something like that, and I say... Well, they had an opportunity to open below the gap. They chose not to. That's telling us that the gap is not overhead resistance. What will be overhead resistance? Well, the next spot above the gap is what? The high of the breakdown candle. So, being that smash mouth is a pretty good indicator within the tech sector, the Qs or the NASDAQ has been a runaway freight train. We had all the other stuff going on that we talked about. You have to call balls and strikes. It was bullish. Period. I'm not one that likes to get in front of a freight train. And by the way, today they almost already got to the top of this breakdown candle. Are they going to fill the gap? Are they going to make new highs? We'll see in the coming days. I wouldn't count on new highs anytime soon. But you never know. If I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you, and that without you these videos are not possible, that is true and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here. It's everything I really wanted to and intended to discuss today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.
My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.